0: Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 154 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. And my name is Barbara. What's happening, partner? Not a whole lot.
1: What's going on with you? Well, you just remarked on my short sleeves and uh, you up there in your bootay off, and uh, it is like 85 today in Florida, no clouds, absolutely beautiful, so
0: I'll be laying out tomorrow. Nice. <laughs> I'm glad you have wonderful plans this weekend. Yeah. Our snow did melt, by the way. I think we're supposed to be in the 50s, so good running weather is what I'm looking for. That's not bad. To.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I'm back to running.
0: I'm super happy. My
1: foot's healed up and I'm running and I'm so grateful. Yeah. I know some people hate it, but I just love running.
0: I know. It's funny when you're a runner and you talk running about non-runners, they always give you that look. Uh Uh-huh. Are you running away from something? Is somebody chasing you? you? What's going on? I'm like, yes, yes, and yes. Yes, yes. But speaking of warmer weather, crazy what happened in Texas. They uh, froze and everything shut down, but it's thawed and they're getting ready for the DLAT meeting in a couple Woo-hoo. weeks. Yeah, so the annual DLAT conference being held in Grapevine, Texas, March 26th to the 27th. While Barb and I are not going to be attending, we will be recording remotely like we did in October from the Argon booth. And you know, that was awesome. It was amazing. Really
1: great day. Yeah.
0: They just kept bringing people
1: for us to talk to. So I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. So if you're going to go to the show, make sure you find the Argon booth, sit down and chat with us, and we'll talk about all things related to dental laboratory. And we'll also talk about things not related to dental laboratory if you want to. (laughs) We'll talk about anything. And if you're not going to the show... You really should. If you have the ability to get out and about and you want to get dental lab conventions going again, head over to DLAT.org and register for the first conference of the new year. So ever since dental labs introduced machine-made restorations, the FDA has been looking into our industry to make sure we're doing them with the same care and precision as we did by hand. While we all love the accuracy and scalability that CADCAM has provided our profession, the machines still need to be maintained and documented on a regular basis. And sometimes maintaining these machines is a huge pain in my A. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when the FDA comes into a lab, are you prepared to meet the criteria they put together to ensure we make a safe and functioning restoration? It's not as bad as it sounds, and Tim Torbenson from Evo 820 is here to set the record straight and to tell us the good and the bad with dealing with the FDA. Tim is not new to our industry, and after working with the FDA for years with implants, he has set up a company. My voice cracked. He has (laughs) set up (laughs) puberty. He has set up a company that will help labs be ready for when they do come into your lab. Tim talks about the history of dental labs and the FDA and what they are looking at when they come into a lab and how you can prepare yourself to be compliant with the new technologies that we have grown to depend on. So join us as we chat with Tim Torbenson from Evo 820. Hey Barb, I called Orident the other day about their P5 milling machine. Super! How did it go? I was introduced to the consumables Oradent offers, such as Delta Zirconia, Orident ZR, Orident Cutting Tools, and Quest PMMA. How
1: convenient. You know what? You can buy the mill and the materials from them.
0: Yeah, if you think that's convenient, you can also buy furnaces by Napotherm, and vacuums by Renfert. Plus, I don't have to talk to a different person every time I call. I have a rep dedicated just for me. I have heard that their service is amazing. Absolutely. Orident offers high quality cutting tools made here in the USA, and they have great options for zirconia. Delta Zirconia, which is a super cost savings for labs, and Orident ZR, made proudly here in the U.S. of A. Do they still offer dental alloys? You know, Orident started off manufacturing alloys and will always provide high-quality alloys for dental labs, one of the few companies in the U.S. to still manufacture their own alloys. Is there anything that they don't supply dental labs? Actually, they also offer dental scanners and a 3D printer from Shining 3D. Hold up. Does that scanner
1: have its own design software?
0: Actually, Oradent offers ExoCAD for your designing needs. Nice. I'm not the best
1: with technology and setting up all of this equipment, just saying. Well, we know,
0: but that's (laughs) fine. Oradent has a technical support team who can help with installing or troubleshooting any problems.
1: Wow, Oradent definitely is a one-stop shop for any dental lab's needs. How do we get in touch with them?
0: You can always call our friends at Oradent at 1-800-422-7373. Or you can visit them at their website at oradent.com.
1: We super appreciate your support of the podcast, Oradent. Thank you so much.
0: Voices from the Bench. The
2: Interview.
0: All right, let's get down to business.
2: Okay, thanks. I'll be quiet.
0: We are happy to have on the podcast today good guy, and FDA expert from Evo 820, Tim Torvinson. How are you, sir?
2: I'm wonderful, and thank you for having me join you today.
0: Absolutely. We're happy to have you on. I know you have a subject that a lot of people in our industry, I guess would say, are scared of, and that's FDA coming into our industry and regulating what we love to do and making it harder to do what we want to do.
2: <laughs> and, you know, that's the essence of my move to this industry. Not this industry, I shouldn't say that, but to the FDA side of it. I mean, I've been involved in dentistry for 45 years. Mm -hmm. I started in 1976 in the dental laboratory. So uh, my father was a dental laboratory owner and manager. Mm -hmm. So as a a laboratory manager, my dad brought me in. So, So I love this business. I love this industry. And you can't find Another industry that when you have a, a meeting, a conference with uh, competitors, they're so dang friendly. So, oh, yeah, true. <laughs> and they help each other, they pass information back and forth to help them develop their businesses. And I was working for a dental implant company and I was putting together five, five 10 Ks for their implant systems and spending a lot of time with the FDA. And they had shared with me then the direction that they were going to take with the dental laboratory industry.
0: So when was this? Back in the 80s? No, no.
2: uh, It was 2017. Oh, yeah. Not too long ago. We jumped way ahead. Oh, yeah. I went from 1976 (laughs) to 2017 when I started Evo A20.
0: Everything in between was just a big blur, right?
2: Well, well, I'll tell you what, now that I'm 65, it seems like it all went so darn fast. How did that happen? But I worked a lot in the dental implant industry for 35 years. That's how I got involved with the regulatory side, with the implant systems that we were developing. And I saw that there really was no avenue for dental laboratories to become compliant with the FDA as it began to become more involved in our automated manufacturing industry. Hmm. So that, mm-hmm. That's when I started EVO Eight Twenty. 20 What does that stand for, EVO? <laughs> and I came up with that probably after a night uh, sitting around <laughs> with a couple of people around the table. And yeah. what it is, it's our firm helps dental laboratories evolve into compliance mm. with the FDA's Code of Federal Regulation 820.
1: Oh, I
0: like it. That's, that's mouthful, cool. isn't
2: it? <laughs> yeah.
0: I see why you're short. <laughs> <Yeah,
2: exactly. laughs> but that's it. The Code of Federal Regulation, or what is referred to as CFR 820, those are all the rules and regulations that medical device manufacturers are to follow to be operating legally. <laughs> and so having an understanding of what those codes are, And what the dental laboratory business is, and I understand what the FDA is looking at because I've been involved now in over nine audits at dental laboratories, milling centers, or uh, manufacturers. I've got a real good sense of what the FDA is looking for. So I help dental laboratories get compliant without it being overly burdensome.
1: All right, so how do you do that? Help me understand. <laughs> when you say without it being heavily burdensome, since you know all the rules and you can help them, you just pretty much go in and create the manufacturing document for them or what?
2: That's exactly correct. So through an interview, and we'll sit down and we'll talk about what procedures they're involved with in their laboratory and which ones specifically are involved with CAD-CAM manufacturing or automated manufacturing. Mm-hmm. And then we guide and direct them. In some cases, even though they're involved with digital manufacturing, there is no reason for them to have a quality system. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So, and I'll give you an example of that here shortly. But then through that interview process, we determine exactly what their quality system should contain and which activities they need to record and which ones they do not. And then we write that quality system up all the documents, the SOPs, the documents that are used to record activities. And then we present that to them. We write it completely. It's a complete package. And then we train Uh the staff who's going to be involved with the activities of recording the documents, which are usually their technicians performing those tasks. And then we help them organize it in such a fashion so that when the FDA shows up, they have everything they need to get easily through an audit. Wow.
0: Now, that sounds like a humongous pain in the ass. Are you adding that much more for labs to do in order to meet this regulation?
2: Absolutely not. No, so let me, and let's talk about it. The important thing to understand is that dental laboratories are living under a FDA establishment registration exemption. This has been the most important thing for dental laboratories. And it came about in about 1970-ish sometime there. Mm -hmm. That exemption gave dental laboratories the opportunity to not have any requirement for a quality system as long as they're manufacturing dental restorations and appliances utilizing handcrafted methods. Wax a crown, cast it, stack porcelain on it, fire it. Those procedures are completely exempt from any FDA regulations.
0: All because it's just handcrafted. Mm -hmm.
2: Yes, exactly. And this is where... We- was it?
0: most things handcrafted in the 70s?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was there. I saw it.
0: <laughs> so because it was handcrafted, that created the
1: exemption?
2: At that time, yes. Okay. There were some exceptions to that. And of course, you're probably very familiar with such things as sleep appliances mm-hmm. that did have to get 510K clearances. And then with that... There were activities that the laboratory had to abide by, such as a quality system, to be compliant with the FDA. So that's one exception that has been existed now for some time.
0: Okay, so they're exempt then and they're exempt now, but why is this not a huge pain in the <laughs> a-? I mean,
2: I keep
0: <laughs> I keep going back to that. It just sounds like if I had to add FDA regulation and documenting here, it would be
2: huge. Mm -hmm, Exactly. So much misinformation that is being passed around in our industry that really do scare people. It's like, well, for example, if a laboratory mills titanium blanks and in-house does their own custom abutments, they have to get a 510K. That is false. That is Mm -hmm. completely false. So let's get down to the, the nuts and bolts of it. So- Yeah. For example, there was from the podium, another consultant who's not in our business, but with a different agency had mentioned that as soon as the software is involved, then you need to get a quality system. And that is not true. So what the FDA requires is that if you're involved with mainly implant manufacturing, implant restoration manufacturing, then you need to have a quality system. So, for example, and what was in that quality system is you need to document that you are calibrating your scanners, you yeah. calibrate your mills, that uh-huh. you, when you change fluid, you mention, you write down on a log, we changed fluid today.
0: Okay. Okay.
2: Which yeah. you do anyway. You're doing all these things, correct?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
2: When yeah. you calibrate your mill, you make a note that you calibrated your mill yesterday. Even if you're a day behind, you're catching up. Sure. So that's the same thing. Then you have to document that you did a final QC on that case before it was delivered to make sure that it met the specifications that were detailed within the RX. Mm -hmm. And for the production side, that's it.
0: You're talking just an employee or a technician just initialing it or something.
2: Yeah, there's a log that we create. And so it's like Uh a spreadsheet and it can be in a computer or it can be hard copy. And so when an activity is done, let's say today at 12.14, I change out a tool in one of my mills. I change out the the 2.5 cutter. Mm -hmm. So I just document. I changed out the 2.5 tool at 12.14 on 2.5. And I initial it, TT, I'm done. That's it. Yeah, that's it. So we're only documenting the activities that are taking place within the dental laboratory, and only in the CAD CAM side of the business. You don't need to document everything else because of that exemption. And, and there's other things like, you know, you have to make a log of the complaints and only yeah. certain complaints, not all complaints, because we know we get a lot because the shade was off or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. And the FDA doesn't care about that. They only care about fit, form, and function with regard to that. So there has to be something truly went wrong with that case that it didn't fit. You know, occlusion was too high, too low, dramatically. Contacts were Mm -hmm. too tight, wide open, margins were open. Those are the kind of things that you do make a record of, which you should anyway, and then you kind of find out what happened and how did it get through QC without it being caught. That's another one of the activities, but that should be done, I think. So that's a kappa in my in my world. So
1: corrective action process or
2: corrective action, what? Well, the, the kappa is when a complaint escalates and is identified as a trending issue. So okay. it's just a complaint. So the only thing you document is that this particular case, it's an internal complaint. It relates to an internal process because in our quality system to kind of get into this deeper than I know that you really want to know the whole story. (laughs) There's an external complaint. And so, for example, if you send a case out and it gets through QC, it looks like it fits perfectly. Everything mm-hmm. matches. And again, we're only talking about those cases that are coming through CAD CAM. Yeah. Not all the Crown and bridge and dentures that you do. We'll see some dentures. We'll talk about the printed dentures. Sure. I'm sorry. Sure. Okay. So, so many cases come in and everything looks good. You manufacture the case to it and it goes out the door and the doctor says, I got it. And it's nowhere close to fitting what's going on. So they take another impression or they take another scan and they send that in and you compare what you worked on compared to a new one that came in. It's like, these don't even match. Oh. Yeah, their fault. Yeah, yeah there was a bad impression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell me that doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah. Occasionally.
1: That doesn't happen. <laughs> <Har-har>. <laughs>
2: So that, in the eyes of the FDA, and this is what we teach our clients, is that that's not a complaint. It is a complaint, but it's external. It's not your fault because mm-hmm. the information that was provided to you in either that scan or and that impression and you built to it and you hit those specifications, it was that you were working with bad data. Yeah. So that's not a complaint. You don't document that. You don't waste your time on that. So if a complaint is an internal complaint that will be a situation where the case comes back and you identify it as something that went south within the laboratory process mm-hmm. yeah and that when you want to go holy cow what happened how did this get through was it a machine that like the spindle on the mill was out of centricity so um you know it's it's not how to get through QC or was it a designer who didn't catch the appropriate, and it's a trending issue, or this might be the fourth time that's happened in the last two months. Mm -hmm. That's when it escalates to a corrective and preventive action. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And that only happens like maybe five times a year. Yeah.
1: So then you're correcting your internal processes and driving it back and asking why, why, why until you figure out exactly what the cause of it was. Do you see them being out of calibration a lot? Like, does the FDA want us to calibrate monthly, weekly, biweekly, or is it however we set it up?
2: That is a great question. And that's what I love about the FDA requirements is they're very broad and they're very vague and they give you the opportunity to make those types of decisions. Hmm. There is a phrase within the FDA training sessions I've attended and the one I love the most is like this is your quality system. You make it, you design it, you make those decisions based on the risk of the device to the patient, okay? Hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you're making a heart valve that if they implant it into a patient and they replace a failing valve and then your product fails, the patient dies, that is going to be a much more strict and stringent quality system. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But we don't kill people. Yeah. No one... From the performance of the device that the dental laboratory manufactures, a patient dies. Hmm. So because our risk is so low, we have what I refer to as a quality system light.
0: That makes all of our lives easier, I would imagine. (laughs) Yes. So what about those devices or things that we make that hit CAD and hand you know, if we mill an abutment and it gets through CAD and then someone says eh, it needs to be a little shorter and they cut it down with a, a handpiece a little bit. What does that do to the, the whole process? Yeah,
2: the, the fact that it was designed with a CAD system uh-huh. and milled and we always anticipate that there's minor adjustments, you know, cleaning up some burrs, as you say, maybe shortening it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But that keeps it in the quality system.
0: Okay, but that all needs to be documented.
2: Well, not all of it. Let's, let's go back. So the quality system is looking at the equipment that's used to make sure that it's properly maintained. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're also going to want you to create a, it's called an approved supplier list. And that's an easy one. You can give that to me off the top of your head real quick. You know, who are the people you're buying your zirconia from? Mm-hmm. Sure, You know who that is. And so we put them on the list. Because the FDA wants to make sure that you're using 510K cleared materials and components within your restorations. That's an important part because we survive the simplicity of it because of the 510K component requirements. All that quality system stuff is taken care of before that product gets into our lab. Hmm. So that simplifies that process. It's over and done. You don't have to inspect those products. We trust because they're 510K cleared. I mean, who can't you trust? Nobel, Strawman, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. What if I buy my zirconia from a guy named Steve out of a van behind the
2: Walmart? Yeah, that (laughs) That one you could get in trouble on. Okay, I'll stop.
1: (laughs) Do they have you track lot numbers for the material that goes into each of the devices?
2: Barb, you are talking so domus. (laughs) i'm sure that's why i'm asking yeah the answer that is no don't
1: be so dumbass. (laughs) Dumbass. (laughs) he he wants to say dumbass that's that's, that's how we pronounce it here
2: (laughs) yeah i've had the fortunate opportunity where i've taken two of my clients off of domus oh god thank you yeah so that's a no i take it yeah, correct. So and <laughs> I'll cite the FDA on that. And what they say is that you need to have identification and traceability for devices that are implanted into the body or are life sustaining. Huh. Okay. We don't do anything in that category. Correct. So there are a number of companies out there that will tell you you should do this, but it is not your responsibility. It is the company that manufactures the implant for example, that is put into the patient's head, Mm -hmm. that has traceability to it. The abutment that goes on top of it, that's a no.
1: Yeah, I remember like four or five years ago when that was a big thing where um, they were talking about the abutment itself. So that is a no, which is excellent.
2: At the present time. <laughs> we know that the our industry, because we have to think about our industry and why is the FDA here is because we're changing. Mm-hmm. And the FDA is not changing. It's basically that as we move more into the automated manufacturing, we incorporate more pieces of equipment that are deeply involved in the construction and manufacturing of these devices, then we are moving out from underneath that exemption that I referred to earlier, which is mm-hmm. a Section 807. 807- 0.65 paragraph I. Mm, <laughs> very nice. Wow. Yeah. Yes. You, you, you'll read that and you'll be bored if, you know, but it, it's very short. It's one sentence and it includes a number of different types of industries that are included under that exemption. Hmm. But it's huge for us. But as we move out from underneath it, then the FDA comes knocking on our door.
0: Mm. So who told the FDA we were changing? Who do, who do we
2: blame for yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, who was the first guy who said remakes were free? who did that? (laughs) Not me. Not me.
1: So basically you go in, I'm assuming that laboratories will call you and say, Hey, we're manufacturing these devices and we want to make sure that we are FDA, you know, if they ever came in, you know, that we're good to go. So do you have like a bullet point that you go through after talking to them on the conversation? And then basically you say, you need this, you need this, you need this. And then you look it over and make sure that everything's complete.
2: Yes. We do that dependent upon what that particular laboratory is involved in. So let me me give you another, for instance, of where they're doing automated manufacturing, but we do not get involved because they still live under the exemption at the present time with the FDA rules. Mm. So those laboratories that are manufacturing monolithic crowns, they're milling them, Uh they design them, they deliver them, but they're going over natural preps it's traditional crown and bridge yeah conventional crown and bridge but it's digitally manufactured digital work through yeah. hmm. that's exempt so that laboratory does not need to even have a conversation with me beyond that
0: why is that exempt they're still using machines
2: exactly this is where this is where people kind of need us to kind of explain what's oh, yeah. what and why <laughs> So, and I'll give you the caveat to it. So the interesting thing is that zirconia disc, the zirconia pucks that is manufactured to create that crown was given a product classification and a product code, the same as powdered porcelain. Ah. So when the FDA did that, it fell within that exempted product code. Okay. So the PFM has a product code and at the same time. PFM product code matches the, all zirconia or whatever monolithic material you want, EMACs or whatever, falls in that same code. So at the present time, it is not part of the quality system.
0: Well, who do we thank for that?
2: <laughs> well, yeah, that's why. I... Yeah.
0: Why are you into
1: thanking yeah. everybody?
0: Think about it. Here they had a chance to make zirconia extremely difficult mm-hmm. by giving it a classification that needed to be FDA regulated. But somebody was cool enough to slide it in under the uh, stacked porcelain.
2: Oh, so it's not a big deal. Okay.
1: I see your point.
2: Mm-hmm. Thanks to
0: whoever did that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was an FDA move. Wow. For sure. Yeah. But here's when that changes. So <sighs> in that same puck, don't draw don't, it. okay. We're all going to be okay. <laughs> So when you take a crown that came out of that same milled zirconia disc, and it's for a implant supported screw retained crown. So it's going to be Uh bonded to a tie base. Mm -hmm. That makes it different. And again, it's the implant side of the restoration. So now it's got, it Uh becomes part of the quality system. So that's the one you keep track of. So when it goes through uh, the QC process and it's released, there's a simple checkoff on that. It's like, oh, did that. And most of that is already within the dental laboratory's case management software. So it might not even add any activity because it already exists there. So that's not an added on activity, but it's something that they need to be able to build a report from. So, LabStar, Magic Touch, all these other different softwares can be used as supporting your quality system.
0: Interesting.
2: Interesting. So, it's not as complicated as you think. Huh. It's still kind of complicated. <laughs> yeah. Here's the here's the thing that I like about it, Elvis. And this is when I lecture, I speak to this often. Is that when you are doing the activities that the FDA requires, for example, will take on the, the milling, the subtractive uh-huh. manufacturing. And so you do that zirconia crown, and you do it, of course you do that, and you do it a pre tow style full-arch bridge on tie bases. <laughs> well, then if you have that and you have your quality system, you can expand the services that you provide. You can mill a titanium bar. Yes, that means you have to add a, an expensive machine to do that, You don't mill it to the implant directly. You mill it to a multi-unit abutment. Hmm. Yeah, That's covered under your quality system activities. You can expand your business to do things like that. Hmm. I would suggest you start milling custom abutments. As long as you have a quality system, you're going to be just fine. So stop outsourcing these things and sending money to somebody else. Keep it in-house.
0: But a lot of people are just scared of it just because of, like you mentioned earlier, everybody thinks that you can't without the FDA. Correct. The 510K or whatever. I mean, it's just it's what we were told.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So I'll give you a couple instances where you need to have that 510K. And they're very few. I mean, 99.9% of the dental laboratories do not need a 510K. So again, we spoke to that sleep appliance. So, yeah. if you in your laboratory, Barb, want to have a branded sleep appliance, that's called Barb Sleep Appliance that you manufacture, you put your name on it, it and mm-hmm. it's your design, even though it looks just like an EMA.
0: It's actually called Sleep with Barb. Right, hey, I'm not going to touch <gasps> oh, that oh, one. Yes. That's <laughs> <really> very nice. <laughs>
2: I got a feeling that might be edited out.
1: No, I'm sure he will not. He likes
0: making fun of
2: me. We'll have a chance to pick on Elvis here next. Okay,
0: <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> uh,
2: so, because you want to take that pathway of having your very own branded sleep appliance, you need to get a five ten k. Okay. Uh, so that's that's the instance of in the sleep appliance.
0: But that's because people might die,
2: right? Well, no. With the 510K, you have to demonstrate through the 510K process that the appliance that you're manufacturing and branding under your name is a substantial equivalent to others on the market that have been successful. That's it. But then you have to register. And then yes, you are more likely to have an FDA inspector show up and knock on your door and say, I want to look at all your books. And we'll talk about that too, because I've been on nine of those audits and we'll talk about that experience. But- the other one that is probably more violated presently is for the Elvis orthodontic aligners.
0: Oh, I need those. Yeah, yeah.
2: so Elvis <laughs> decides to manufacture his own orthodontic aligners. And a lot of laboratories are out there, and they're just manufacturing them. It requires a 510K. Hmm. Oh. So it's a very simple and straightforward process where that needs a 510K. Where let's say, uh, for an example... the <laughs> A similar process in manufacturing, a retainer does not have any requirements, but a a aligner does. And the reason under the FDA is that the retainer doesn't do anything. It just keeps the teeth stable. Yeah. Right? And then, But an orthodontic aligner is active. It is moving teeth. And that's when the FDA goes, oh, can't do that without us knowing what you're doing.
0: what about dentists? Because they're trying to sell dentists to make their own aligners. You know, chair-side printing and all that. Do they have to get a 510K in order to make aligners for their patients?
2: They do not.
0: Well, that's not fair.
2: No, that's true. And that may change. There's been some discussions on that. And the reason why the FDA does that is because they do not regulate the practice of medicine or dentistry. Hmm. So that's why a dentist can have an in-house lab be milling titanium abutments. And as long as everything that they manufacture at his in-house laboratory only goes into his patients' heads, he's completely free and clear to do what he or she shall choose.
1: That's crazy. crazy. Oh, my God. We're speaking the same language today, Elvis. That's scary.
2: (laughs) Same time. Yeah, and that could be changing because the FDA is very much aware that the dentists are now moving away from the handcrafted restoration yeah. processes to automated, and the hairs on the back of their neck are standing up. So, we, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I know the FDA is aware of it. So,
0: yeah, there's some dentists out there with quite an operation with an in house lab just doing everything in house, and now I know how they get away with it. Wow.
2: <laughs> yes. Interesting. Yeah, it is interesting, but that's something that we've always had. Prostodontists, a lot of prostodontists have their own labs and have been mm-hmm. operating that way.
0: So you must get a lot of calls from labs that say, hey, Tim, the FDA just sent me this letter that says they're coming. What do I do?
2: <laughs> yes, I've gained quite a few clients that way. <laughs> I bet. And I, I bet yeah. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And in some cases, we're getting them caught up and get them prepared for when the FDA walks in the front door. What brings the FDA to that lab in the first place? Okay, that's a great question as well, because there's a couple different ways. One is that you are registered with the FDA as a specific device manufacturer. Again, it would be aligners or sleep appliances. So as a registered entity with the FDA, there's a lotto that you might win or maybe you might call it losing where you're pulled, your name of your business is pulled and they come visit you that year.
0: But they look in on other things other than what you just have the 510K for. Like if you're doing sleep devices and you have a 510K, they come to your lab and they're looking at everything, even not just the sleep devices. No,
2: that's not the case. They will stay true to what their mission purpose is and which is the the 510k on that sleep appliance interesting Hmm. if they see a mill over in the corner and it's humming away they will inform you that you should be keeping documents on your maintenance activities for that, and they're not going to because here the FDA. The last thing they want to do is close you down or fine you, and they have never fined a dental laboratory or closed one down. Well, that's not true. Well, we'll talk about that. In a <laughs> 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 then there's that. Give us the dirt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kevin at Crane Dental Laboratory. He has a five ten k for his sleep appliance. He's a, a client of ours. Great guy. And we were working with him and transitioning him from one consultant firm to ours. He liked our quality Uh system better. And the FDA came in and audited him when he was right in the middle of changing things. So his books were really a mess. But the only thing they looked at, because he's a full service lab, the only thing they looked at was his 510K procedures on sleep appliances. Mm. So that's that's a real world experience.
0: But now they know about you.
2: Yeah, and the FDA, you can expect to see them every seven years on average. So it's not like they're there every day. Unless you're like Glidewell, they're there like every six months. Wow.
0: Oh, I bet. So what else brings them into the lab? I mean, if a dentist can complain to the FDA about us or any of that come into play?
2: Yeah, there is a a system that you can complain about an entity Mm -hmm. and they won't come just because they got one because they'll realize and they understand that some people complain just because they're mad at you. You know, something happened. For example, I had a laboratory client of mine that shared a letter that they received from the FDA. Uh And in that letter, it stated that, yeah, if you agree with us that this is malarkey, that's not the word they use, but that's the word I chose to use. (laughs) Just ignore it because that's what we're going to do. So the FDA recognizes that there's a lot of personal attacks that have nothing to do with patient safety. And that's the only thing that FDA cares about is patient safety. So, yeah. yeah. So if there's a number of complaints and and they're consistently the same complaint that demonstrates there's a trending of inefficiency and inability for one company not to meet their expectations and put out a quality product, the FDA is going to just stop by. (laughs) That has never happened to a laboratory. I can tell you that. That's good. Yeah, that's good. And then the th- the third way is one of the things the FDA has gotten deeply involved in, and I'm glad you brought this up, is they're doing surfing or mining, where they're going through publications, mm-hmm. LMT, IDT, JDT. Podcasts? <laughs> yes, they will listen to podcasts. And they're probably <laughs> listening in on mine, so it's okay. uh they look at blogs. Uh, they'll look at your website. They'll look... They're going through a lot. So you have to be careful what claims that you're making. For example, if you post broad or proudly and broadly through the industry that you are manufacturing orthodontic aligners, and they go look and they say, hmm, he doesn't have a 510K. (laughs) So Mm. they're going to first give you a call while they're making their airline reservations to come and visit your (laughs) (laughs) lab.
0: It's big in our industry now to be like a reseller of aligners. Other labs, other companies make the aligner. They brand it to my lab and I sell it to my doctor. But if I advertise that, does that bring them in?
2: Well, if you're going to be a reseller and repackager, you have to register with the FDA. Oh. So that's also like
1: if you outsource to China or some other area and then you you have it shipped back to you and then you actually resell it or repackage it, that would be the same thing. Is that correct?
2: That is correct. So two different situations with the orthodontic aligner and you are operating under someone else's 510K that they're manufacturing it for you, they will be audited first. What they will look at from you is that to make sure that you are passing through any complaints that you're receiving to the actual Uh manufacturer, because the manufacturer really holds the majority of the responsibility. Sure. So you're a pass through, and the FDA is really not going to be that interested in you. So when they come in, if they would audit you, if you would hit, if you'd win the lotto and you get, you get to have a visitor, they would come in with an unclear understanding that you are a pass through, and they want to make sure that you're keeping track of any complaints that come in on that aligner that's being manufactured mm-hmm. for you. That's it. Well, there's a couple other things, but it's very minor. Yeah. And then for the laboratory that is using an offshore manufacturing, that's a little bit different because now they're an initial importer. So they have the responsibility of doing the quality control on the products that's coming in from offshore. So they have to demonstrate that that laboratory is properly hitting the specifications as presented by the dentist to them, and that it is safe. You also need to make certain that that offshore laboratory is registered with the FDA, and Barbara, you can. Call al-
1: extension two nine nine,
0: please. Hold on. Bar- Come on, man. Extension two nine nine. Oh, doctor on the line, stat! <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Patient in the chair.
0: Life <laughs> in jeopardy. Yeah. Let the FDA know. So the offshore has to be regulated with the FDA also.
2: Yeah, yeah, correct. So it's very important that the laboratories who are working with offshore, other laboratories, Uh that laboratory needs to be registered with the FDA. They will be audited. And I always put together agreements so that anytime that offshore laboratory is audited by the FDA, that we get the report. Oh. Because if the FDA is going to see something that's going south there, we need to know about that cuz we're relying them to work with us and deliver quality product to our clients. So they might get caught using product that is not 510k cleared as you referred to buying something from Sam behind Walmart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah.
0: We always recommended the easiest thing to do is not send it offshore. So. <laughs> exactly
2: true. Yeah, yes. For sure. I refer people to the quality system and expand the services that you can do in-house so you don't have to outsource. And that gives Mm -hmm. you control over the quality of the product. And it makes your business, in my mind, much more respectable to the clinicians, knowing that everything is being done under your control.
0: Absolutely. So when the FDA shows up, what's that experience like? Because I just imagine a very bitter bureaucrat coming in and just nitpicking everything. Am I thinking that right? Or is it a little bit more pleasant experience? That's a lot of drama.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So again, I've been involved with nine audits now. And when the inspector comes in, and we have to understand that they have a responsibility. They're really there to look into the operation and do an audit of their quality system to make sure that they are appropriately manufacturing the, the restorations, using the right materials and the right components. Yeah. So they will ask you, and I, this is in every single time, this is a hundred percent of the time. The way that they get into that is they look at your complaints. So mm-hmm. the investigator, whoever it is, he or she will come in. They'll, you will know that they're coming because they have to provide you with a letter. If you are registered and you've been pulled out of the lottery. And so you'll know about four or five days ahead of time that they're coming. They will show up, they'll present their cards, and they'll present you with another letter that they've arrived, and they'll tell you what they intend to investigate. So they'll give you three Mm -hmm. or four things that they want to look at. Number one, the first question out of their mouth after their open meeting is, I want to see your complaints. And that's the complaints that we spoke about earlier. There should not be a lot of complaints, and my clients drive me crazy sometimes because every time they get a, a sneeze from a client, they re- they document it as a complaint. It's like yeah. no, no, no. no. We that. I know. Would
0: FDA buy if I said eh, no complaints?
2: Um, no, <laughs> they, they know that no one is perfect. But if you have five or six, they would buy that. But a lot of laboratories will have maybe fifty in a year, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But what they'll do is they'll present them and the investigator will look at it and they'll see that there's no potential risk to the patient mm-hmm. because what laboratories do and the FDA quickly understands this is that when the restoration comes back, no matter what it is, the nonconformity as the FDA calls it, mm-hmm. recognizes that it's not going to fit. So that nonconformity is identified by the laboratory and corrected. Mm-hmm. So in most cases, that device was never delivered to the patient. Right, so it was uh, never put in their head permanently. So the one, uh, the one complaint that's in those fifty that catches their eye is going to be the one. What was, for example, this happens: an implant restoration, single crown, screw retained crown is delivered, and at about eight months later, the screw breaks. All right, it happens. All right, or in, yeah, 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 not our fault. No, exactly. So the <laughs> dentist gets it, and they, of course, it's your fault. And but when you look at it, you thought, well, if he would have placed that implant a little bit more posterior it wouldn't have had so much cantileverage on it so yeah all yeah. that yeah this thing was not properly designed by the dentist or placed by the dentist and you just have oh, to sure. you give them what they asked for so then he, you're gonna have to explain that to the investigator and he's gonna go okay so how did you solve it it's like well we, we made the table of occlusion smaller less function on that screw so it's gonna be good <laughs> they're gonna go, oh okay so that's what they want. But do they understand that? What, no.
0: Or they're just like, yeah, whatever. No, <laughs> what they're
2: going to do is the fact that you have an answer and you've documented ah. that what you did. Again, it's got to be documented. Yeah. When he or she sees that, that you responded to this, you investigated the situation, and then you corrected it, and you documented it and signed off on it, that's a win. And they'll accept it. Well, they into oh. the
1: supply room, Sam. Oh, shit gotta get rid of this phone, guys. Sorry.
2: Okay. God forbid you work. How rude.
1: Well, sorry to interrupt. I'm in the conference room and it won't go on mute, so it's like a painful. All right. I've unplugged it. it. I did.
2: Yeah. So with the FDA understanding that you have responded appropriately to that complaint, you investigated it, you solved it and resolved it with within your operation, and then you documented it. That is a win. That is nothing that the FDA is going to write you up for.
0: And it doesn't even matter if it's the right answer.
2: <laughs> well, no, because it, it's the process. Everything that the FDA yeah. is looking at is a process. And let's go back to the very, the, really, the foundation of why the FDA exists, and that is is to protect the patient from serious injury, or bodily harm, yep. mm-hmm. or, or death. <laughs> so. They know that when they're in your operation, in your laboratory, that the patient is never at any risk unless you are severely, severely out of compliance and really a risky operation. Every laboratory that I know that was like that is no longer in business. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Melting pennies to make PFMs. Yeah.
2: We used to say 55 Chevy bumpers. (laughs) (laughs) But then I'm old (laughs) enough to
1: know that. (laughs) Has there been anything in our industry that's new that's caught the FDA's eye as the last couple of years?
2: Well, yes. And it it came out, I think, very good for the industry. And that is uh, going back to 3D printing and what the FDA refers to it as additive manufacturing. Mm -hmm. So they came out with a new product code and it's product code PZY. And it is for printed denture tooth.
0: How the hell did they get PZY? Out?
2: Uh, I never. Don't try to figure out the FDA. Okay. That'll okay. Just okay. Keep you, <laughs> keep you awake at night. That's my job, man. <laughs> but it's important about this particular modification is that if we think about denture teeth that you get from Dent Supply or Myerson, those yeah. are five ten k cleared devices, and they come in the cards, oh. and you pay some pretty good money for those, and they're FDA regulated. When they released PZY, it is still the same product classification of that denture tooth that you buy on the cards. It's a class two, but because it's printed in your laboratory where you have a quality system, you can print the entire denture now without having to use those teeth. So you can print the denture base and you can print the teeth on the denture. And the only thing you have to do is use a CAD system that is 510K cleared they exist use a resin material that is 510k cleared and there's plenty of that out there Mm -hmm. and then through the quality system be able to demonstrate that the printer is being properly maintained and calibrated so that everything is being made as per clinicians directions on the rx and that's it so man start going away get get a quality system and start printing your own dentures complete wow
0: What about milling dentures? Is it the same thing? Same, same. Same, same, yeah.
2: Interesting.
0: But they're going to start looking at everything we're printing, aren't they? I mean, night guards, custom trays. (laughs) I guess not models. They don't go in a mouth. but
2: That's a real interesting and very timely because I had uh, an exchange... A letter, an email exchange actually with the FDA specifically on mouth guards because there mm-hmm. was a lot of information, once again, misinformation, that for dental laboratories to manufacture mouth guards, they have to have 510K. And I know that wasn't true, but I always like to get yeah. a letter from the FDA so I have it in writing and documented. And their response was clearly no.
0: <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, great.
2: <laughs> yeah. Good to, know. to just paraphrase the letter, it was that because you are manufacturing a patient matched device per a prescription or work order or RX from a licensed practitioner, you are Just manufacturing a device that is basically not classified.
0: Because it's not permanently in the mouth or just because it comes from a dentist who's not regulated by the
2: FDA? Well, the FDA uses that as a foundation on a lot of their decisions on that, but it's kind of like the retainer because it doesn't do anything except keep teeth in place or the mouth guard, it's protecting them from night bruxing or whatever it might be, uh, whatever the reason they get it. To protect an implant or whatever, the FDA recognizes that as a, a non threatening device going into a patient's head.
0: Hmm. Which they should. Yeah. Real quick, back to the denture if you're using carded teeth on a printed base, does the printed base still have to be FDA clear?
2: Amazingly, no.
0: I figured the teeth were the biggest part of it.
2: Well, the base itself, but you have to use the resin to print it has to be 510k cleared. But the separation there is, well, do I have to have a quality system? Then that's the separation between yes and no. No, you don't. Because the denture base is is a truly non-classified or unclassified product. The resin is 510k cleared. And that's a requirement. Yeah. But that's all you get now anyway. The, The industry is so... The manufacturers are so compliant with the FDA. It's a luxury. For us. Yeah.
0: I would hate to be a manufacturer having to deal with all this stuff. I mean, I bet you it's a headache.
2: Well, aren't you glad they do it so we don't have to? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Where well, you mentioned software, is 3Shape, ExoCAD, or are they all FDA cleared or no?
2: Yes. And it really depends upon which application. For example, the scanner itself. Mm -hmm. It's not required to be 510K cleared. It's just an imaging machine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The CAD software that is used in the design of an appliance or a restoration is required to be 510K cleared. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, 3Shape is completely clean, and ExoCAD is in the process of getting all of their complete offering Mm -hmm. cleared. Yes. Wow.
0: Awesome. Well, we're good to go on some of it but not everything.
2: <laughs> I know we're kind of coming down on time. Yeah. But I would like to stress the difference between when you make that step from being kind of FDA compliant under the exemption and when you step out of that, and then you need to really pay attention to getting a quality system in your lab. Yeah. So for example, and this is typical for a dental laboratory, the process in the, into the digital world is they first start with a scanner. And they mm-hmm. outsource their zirconia crowns. That might be they're outsourcing other appliances. But the only thing that they're doing is they're designing in-house because they don't want to invest in the mills and they aren't quite sure. So that process, mm-hmm. that, that scenario, it keeps them under the exemption because they're not manufacturing anything. Hmm. Okay. okay. Yep. Now they bring in a mill to cut zirconia discs. And so now they've got the design and they're doing zirconia discs, but they don't do any implants. The only thing they do is conventional crown and bridge over natural preps. Once again, they're still under that exemption because the conversation we had about the product coding as powdered porcelain and zirconia, the same. Okay.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Now when they step into the implant world and they start, manufacturing their zirconia and they're bonding it to over the top of a tie base or a titanium mill that they manufacture now they need a quality system.
0: What if they don't bond it on the titanium in lab? What if it's always sent separate and the doctor bonds I it? I
2: get that question all the time, all the time. And it that does not matter because you're doing it, it goes back to my phrase before. Who's doing the manufacturing? Mm. Yeah. Right? So that goes back to that laboratory that is doing all their design, but they outsource it. They need to make sure, and I'll help them write this letter, to whoever's doing their outsourcing, whoever's doing their manufacturing for them should provide them with proof that they are FDA compliant for doing those appliances or devices that they're providing them with. That's a CYA, protect your assets. Nice.
0: Are there labs out there that Do zirconia, but don't do them on implants? I can't imagine how you would say no.
2: Yeah, I don't think so. But I'm trying to give the separation. Remember, just go figure out the FDA. (laughs) Really? (laughs) (laughs) So the big step is when you're at the laboratory, you start to do your own aligners, sleep appliances, and those types of things, then you need to step it up and consider getting the 510K. I understand that, yeah. So what we have found, and now we've been doing this for a number of years, but my clients see that the amount of time it takes to manage a quality system for that particular person who is managing the entire documents within the quality system, adds. it takes about maybe two hours a week of attention. Really? That's it? That's it. it. That is it.
0: Huh. That's not it's, bad. It's good to know. Yeah. Yeah, because really you hear about this stuff and you instantly think paperwork. Full-time job. Yep. Yeah, I got to hire somebody that can understand what PYS means and all sorts <laughs> of craziness. It's good to know. <laughs> uh,
2: it's not Dhammas. Um, is it easier? By yes. far. It's much easier. Yeah. And the major difference is, is that the FDA does not have a phrase anywhere within that code of federal regulation eight twenty about patient contact materials.
1: Hmm, Good.
2: Uh, Yeah, good. Because that is where Damas has the requirement for identification and tracing of all patient contact materials.
1: And that's a nightmare. Just it is a nightmare. Yeah. So you
2: do a denture setup and you send it out to have it confirmed you have to uh, have identification and traceability on that wax yep and that is completely unnecessary
0: and if the fda shows up and you hand them all your Domus stuff they're not going to care it sounds like
2: the fda does not recognize Domus as a quality system it's not that is compliant with the fda so You have to be very careful with that. But you're just working way too hard for something that really doesn't give you any benefit with the FDA. Interesting.
0: Agree. Interesting. All right. Well, I'm not sleeping at all this weekend. (laughs) Well, Tim, that's amazing. You kind of helped clearing it up a little bit. I'm still a bit confused on a lot of it, but... I think we're in the right direction.
2: Yeah, don't be afraid of it. The FDA is not here to shut you down unless you're operating illegally. <laughs> so, And in the audits that I've been involved in, the FDA inspector usually gives advice on how to do it better. They would rather do that than shut you down. So don't fear them. they're all right. Yeah. yeah.
0: I don't know. I just imagine some crazy old politician coming in here and shutting down that mill and shutting down that Yeah, that doesn't
2: happen. And- Thank goodness it doesn't happen.
0: So how can people get a hold of you if they want to start getting complied, if that's even the
2: word? (laughs) Certainly. Well, you can reach me a number of different ways. One is my cell phone is always at my side. That number is 916-844-5267. And then my email address is tim.torbenson at ev0820.com. And the last name is spelled T-O-R-B-E-N-S-O-N. And then another good way to get a real clear picture is I'm doing a the CYA trilogy, which is, again, cover your assets. <laughs> it's going to be three... Webinars that are each of them is thirty minutes, and the first one is called Dazed and Confused, which our industry really is. Just you know, to your point, Elvis, there's yeah. so much misinformation that has many people scared to make steps to really build their laboratory. And I'm going to cover that in Dazed and Confused. Hmm. And nice. The second one is what the heck is a quality system, and this is where I'm going to detail for 30 minutes, exactly what the quality system is. I'm going to demonstrate documents. I'm going to show you what they are, how you fill them out, and what needs to be documented and what does not need to be documented. And then the third one is, you know, how to work with EVO A20. And that is 30 minutes or less on what we do, how we do it, and how it benefits a laboratory. Awesome.
0: Nice. Looking forward. Sounds like some good information [SS2] that any lab should At least check out.
2: I agree. And in the webinars I've done in the past, I've had a lot of comments from people that just say, thank you for finally clearing up what really needs to be done and what we don't need to do. Yeah. That's what my objective
0: is. I figured you had to write everything down. Took two steps today to the left in order to move the mouse three inches to the right. <laughs> now you know. Yep. Awesome, Tim. We appreciate you coming on the podcast and clearing some of this up. Thank well, it was you. my
2: pleasure to be here with you today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. And I know we run into each other a lot at conventions. Let's hope that happens again soon sometime.
2: Yep. I'm very looking forward to those starting up again. Yes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again, sir. Thank we'll talk you. to you later.
2: My pleasure. Thank you, Elvis, and thank you, Barbara. Yep. Thank you. I know.
0: <music> Whitmix's new VeraWash resin cleaning station is the ideal piece of equipment to use in the 3D printed resin post process. Its oscillating,
1: multi-speed stirrer produces or tornado-like vortex every 30 seconds and guarantees efficient, effective, and powerful cleaning,
0: whether the units are individual or still attached to the build plate. The two alcohol baths make an effective step wash system. It cleans more efficiently, and there is less alcohol needed since it is reused for both a fresh bath and a dirty bath.
1: The VeraWash's intelligent design offers features such as mode, time, and a start-stop button display, which gives the operator full and
0: automatic control of the cleaning process. A mesh basket used in the wash container makes it easy to keep track of all small, printed parts when cleaning. The affordable unit's one-year warranty ensures peace of mind for the owner. So visit them
1: at whipmix.com or call one 800 626 for more information about this great new product.
0: And as always, we appreciate your support of the podcast, Whitnix.
1: A super big thanks to Tim for coming on our podcast and setting the record straight about dental labs and the FDA. I know when I was interviewing, I was thinking in my head, Domus and all of the things that we have to do and he set my record straight, which I really appreciated. So while it seems scary to have to deal with them, Having the documentation and the assistance of a third-party company like Evo 820 on your side will ensure that you will be fine to continue making the restorations that you love to make. And also something to think about, there is nothing we can do to keep the FDA out of our industry. So partnering with a company to put the procedures in place now will make it easier than doing it years from now when there is even more documentation needed. So You know what we say, better to be safe than
0: sorry. So thanks, Tim. Yeah, it's important stuff. I know we had a lot of fun in the conversation, but it's something a little serious that we need to think about. I can't take anything seriously, so I just make jokes all the time. That's how I deal with situations. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, all right, everybody, that's all we got for you. We appreciate it. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.
1: And laying out in the sun and got a hoodie on.